Okay, good to be back with you. Uh, happy February. January is over. The long, uh, grueling month of January has come to an end. It is February 1st, and we have Marlins baseball for you in 25 days, if you include this one today. Very exciting. Um, still a lot going on. little trade a couple of days ago. Uh, a couple of last week. The Red Sox designated Matt Barnes for assignment, veteran of eight big league seasons, won a World Series in Boston. Uh, DFA'd, Marlins had interest, uh, a compatible trade partner with Hein Bloom was Kim Eng in Boston. Richard Blyer gets traded to the Boston Red Sox. Matt Barnes comes back to Miami, a veteran big league reliever, a closer at times with World Series experience. Um, Kim Eng beefing the back end of the bullpen up, uh, a minor move. It could pay big dividends. You simply never know. Good to be back with you for another episode this week. I think what we're going to do is take this through right about February 15th. So three more shows for you. I'm very excited about this show tonight. It is National Women's in Sports Days. We have two interviews for you tonight. The first coming up in just a moment is with Alex Rigoli. She's the Miami Marlins Director of Pro Scouting. She comes from a long family lineage of being in the game of baseball. Um, she herself has been in the Marlins organization for quite some time now. Uh, so very excited to share that interview with you. Um, very proud to, to be a woman in sports is Alex and um, certainly should be, deserves to be. She has worked her butt off for the Marlins. She does fantastic work. Uh, one of the folks in baseball operations, look, there's 30 teams and there's what, 40, 50, 60 people that make up baseball operations, departments, scouting, some capacity, probably more than that. Alex, excuse me, plays a vital role um, in the Miami Marlins organization, the success that they have on the field. So uh, excited to share that conversation with you. Coming up in just a minute or two. Uh, on the back end of the program tonight, Paul McIntosh. I would say a name that many Marlins fans were not familiar with. Um, to start last season, we saw him a little bit in the spring. He's going to get his first real crack as a non-roster invitee this spring. Paul McIntosh joins us. Very, very good year at AA Pensacola. Um, folks think he could be a very good big league catcher, and he's not too far away. Maybe a couple of years. You never know. You, you never know. Uh, injuries sometimes necessitate things, and guys sometimes force the organization's hand when they play really well. So Alex Rigoldi on the front end, Paul McIntosh on the back end. Um, we'll see who we have for the program next week. Uh, would like to maybe close out the Hot Stove Show. It would be nice to maybe close it out with Marlins General Manager Kim Mang working on that. Um, we'll see if we can get that for you. Uh, a lot going on this time of the year. And before we turn it over to Alex, wanted to remind you that Marlins single game tickets are on sale now. They were actually on sale. They went on sale a couple of weeks ago. Um, so make sure you get in on all the fun at Lone Depot Park this year. Uh, Marlins single game buyers uh, have a terrific time. Uh, it's one of the best tickets of baseball. It's a lot of fun to be a part of. You just got to go to marlins.com slash single game tickets. Marlins.com slash single game tickets. Affordable family fun in Miami. Cannot stress that enough. Affordable, family, fun, single game tickets are on sale now. 81 home games throughout the course of the 2023 season. Going to be a fun one for the Marlins. And it all starts on March 30th at 410 in the afternoon against the New York Mets. All right, uh, again, plenty to get to tonight. So let's start my conversation with the Marlins Director of Pro Scouting. Here is Alex Rigoli. Okay, time now for the interview portion of the show. And our first guest tonight is the Miami Marlins Assistant Director of Pro Scouting, Alex Rigoli. Alex, you've been with the organization a long time. Uh, I really appreciate you hopping on for a few minutes. How are you doing? 
Good. You know, we're just gearing up for spring training. It's uh, it's coming quick. I uh, was talking to you here before we did this, and I said, uh, we must bother the heck out of you. Everybody from Miami um, invades Jupiter here in the next couple of weeks. Does that drive you nuts, or do you like the uh, the craziness for a few months? Yeah, I do love the craziness, but you definitely see a lot more drivers and a lot more people <laughs> just around uh, Jupiter and, and the area in general. But no, that uh, it means the season's coming, so it's a, it's a good time of year for sure. A lot of fans, the uh, coffee shop lines are a little longer in the morning, but uh, it is a great time of the year. Alex, what year is this for you in the Marlins organization? Going into year six now. Yeah. Happens quick. Yeah. Did you, uh, <laughs> has this always been a dream? I mean, you, you come from a baseball family and I'll let you explain a little bit of that, but you know, has this always, are you, are you following the path that you envisioned a decade ago? Yeah. I mean, I do think that baseball, it's interesting, right? There's not a step one, a step two. There's kind of no same path for everyone into it, but definitely something that I was exposed to really early. My dad's a professional scout with the St. Louis Cardinals and has been for quite some time. So exposed to it really early and knew that baseball was something that I was passionate about and jokingly said when I was little, you know, I was either going to be a, a princess of a small country or a GM of a baseball team, two very different dreams, but um, two I held pretty close close to the heart, but then it didn't really get serious for me until I started applying to colleges. And that's when it really sunk in of like, okay, well, if this is something I want to do, like, what do I need to study? How do I set myself up to actually go into a career in this where it's not something I just kind of say, and it's like, oh, you know, funny, cute. It was like, okay, this is something I actually want to do. How do we go about doing it? And that's when it really, really started to sink in and um, be something I went after. Your, your dad has been a professional scout for a very long time. How much under his watchful eye has Alex grown into the person that you are now and how much of what you learned or what you're watching is from your dad? Yeah, no, for sure. I also have two older brothers, so I don't think I stood a chance whatsoever. Um, and I give a definite shout out to my mom as well. Um, <laughs> strong baseball fan, um, as well as a feisty woman herself uh, that gave me quite a bit of confidence to go into an industry such as this. But yeah, I mean, I owe a lot to my dad to just my development um, as a baseball professional uh, very early on, got to go to games with him. We called them daddy daughter dates. I don't think at the time my mom knew that it would lead to this, but it started out as, you know, I just, I went to the game with him, got 20 bucks and went to go get food. And then it was okay. Well now I sat during the game and lasted five innings into it. Now we're <laughs> last seven innings into it. Now we're taking notes on our own and, and definitely had um, had a mentor kind of in hand right there and, um, monumental, honestly, for me. So you've, you've been around the game, you, you played softball, you're actually a dual sport college athlete, right? Did you play a little basketball as well? Yeah, I played basketball for a year, um, and softball for that same year. So one year fully dual and then, uh, worked out with the basketball team, uh, in the fall is a little bit more of a manager, video manager kind of role to, to stay with it while chasing my softball dreams. <laughs> Let me, I guess, let me first start by asking you this as the assistant director of pro scouting, you know, if somebody asked me that and part of my ignorance, I'd probably say, you know, 12 hours a day, you're just, you're just, you're just trying to find the next star. You're just watching players play baseball on video. What, what is your job, Alex? Like when, when that title means what, what are you doing? Yeah. I think the most broad view is basically bridging the gap between analytics and scouting as well as scouting in the front office. You know, so it's using anything we can to get our scouts at the right games and get that information then to our decision makers and our leadership. So part of what I do is coordinate what games that our scouts go to. I'll go to games myself. I'll go see our affiliates, 
and essentially just gather information and make sure we have the most information from a scouting perspective to give to our leadership for when it comes time to make decisions. Very interesting. Uh, Alex, you mentioned something a little bit ago about, you know, being a princess of a small country one day or a GM of a baseball team. Um, forgive me, I should start by mentioning I'm chatting with you on Wednesday, the 1st of February, and it's National Women in Sports Day. Um, you know, let me first ask you, does that is that significant to you? Or do, do you like some others want to just be viewed as an individual working in baseball? Are you very proud that you're a woman working in baseball? Yeah, I mean, honestly, it's one of those things where people say, okay, sometimes you can notice that you're the, the only person in a room. It didn't really occur to me. Um, I don't think it's something that I noticed. I don't know if that's just because it was so natural. I grew up with brothers. I was around men my entire life. Um, so it's not necessarily an awkward thing or something that first hits me in the face. And um, ultimately, it's it's what you do with an opportunity and, and hope that your work speaks for itself. Uh, I don't really want that to be the headline that, you know, the first this made the decision or something like that. But it is ultimately comes down to that we made the best decision and the best person is the one that got the job. And I alluded to it a little earlier. I think my mother, my grandmother kind of instilled in me those ideals or those thought processes of, of being able to do something like that and never really thinking, oh, I had to see somebody in that role to think that it's, think that it's possible. I think it's great that we are getting more, um, there is more people in these roles. So it is visual for people who don't have those strong people in their lives that are giving them the confidence to do that. Um, I was lucky enough to have those people to not feel restricted in any way, um, but definitely think it's it's a positive to be involved and be part of it. Um, but ultimately, at the end of the day, it's the people who do the best at the job. In your time in the Marlins organization, well, that's not fair. In baseball in general, have, <laughs> you, started this, have you started to see a shift? I mean, you know, we 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 now see female managers in the minor leagues, um, women coaching on big league staff. Um, ha have you seen a big shift just from really when you've started in professional baseball? Sure. I definitely think you see a lot more. It's, it's more commonplace, I guess, if you will, it's, um, less of immediate shock, I guess, for some people who maybe aren't used to it. Um, ultimately I think right now the encouragement is that when you're doing interviews and your interviewing process, you're open to people of all backgrounds, right? All experiences and all backgrounds through the interview process and the exposure to do those things and a little bit get outside of our traditional thinking that someone has to have the same background or what we thought they could. Um, but then ultimately, yeah, I, I do think there are a lot of great people being hired in these, in these positions. Um, but yeah, you see a lot more, you see a lot more females, whether or not it's at the FCL or even now at the major league level. So a lot more exposure, I think. Um, but that's not to say I do think it existed uh, quite a few years ago as well. Uh, you just hear about it a lot more now. Is your goal to be a general manager of a team, Alex? That is the goal. Yeah, I do want to work towards that personally. I do think we all kind of carve our own path and what ends up happening here. But learning as we go in the game will humble you every day. <laughs> uh, what did it mean to you when you saw Kim get this opportunity a few years back in our organization? Yeah, absolutely. It was a, an odd time of year because I was actually starting my drive back up north originally from New Jersey to go see my family for the holidays. And my phone starts blowing up and I'm going, what is going on? Like I just left and I'm driving. So I pull off and I get all these messages are just floating in. Um, yeah, I mean, that's Kimming. That's a name that I grew up knowing about in this game. And everybody I talked to who maybe it was their first time kind of 
interacting with a female who wanted to work into the game goes, oh, you got to look up Kimming. You got to look up Kimming. And definitely a name. I crossed paths with her a little bit when I was interning at the commissioner's office. So it was awesome to have some of a personal relationship with her beforehand. Um, So I think that's monumental for the game to, to, like I said, for the individuals that don't necessarily think they can, they now certainly have the visual that says they most certainly can. Um, Alex, I'm curious, as an assistant director of pro scouting, can you sit and enjoy a baseball game or does your mind spin for three or four hours, whether it's analytics and this and that, can you even enjoy a game anymore? <laughs> I think that is the enjoyable part. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I do. It's people say like baseball's baseball's a smart people's game. You know, I do think that part of the fun and to me, the game's almost never slow because there is so much to think about during it. Uh, so yeah, definitely have the wheels turn in during a game, but I think I wouldn't have it any other way. Uh, what's the difference, Alex, between pro scouting and amateur scouting? Yeah. So as soon as somebody signs a contract with an organization, they fall underneath the umbrella of pro scouting. We also handle independent league. So anybody, once they're done with college and, uh, and or high school, right? So the amateur draft handles college and high school players. And then as soon as they either graduate and sign on with an independent league team or sign on with an organization, they fall under pro. I will say there is a small uh, overlap between international as well, where you have your international pro, which is your NPB and your KBO leagues. Um, So we also kind of venture there and circle in with our international brethren. Outstanding. Um, Alex, you do terrific work for the Marlins. Again, uh, I'll apologize for everybody here in Miami in advance. It's going to come invade your office space here in the next couple of weeks. Um, But Alex, it's great to talk to you. I appreciate you taking some time for us tonight and uh, I'll see you soon. No, absolutely. I appreciate the time. And hey, we got guys throwing right now. It's looking good up here. So come on up. All right, so that was the Marlins Director of Pro Scouting, Alex Rigoli. A very fun conversation for me. I love to highlight people that we don't often get a chance to see um, in the organization. I think it's important to highlight those people uh, because not a lot of folks know who they are. And those folks in Jupiter, in Miami, that sit certainly behind the dugout, you know, way in the back of this whole operation that you don't see on the field every night or in the dugout, Oftentimes, and they always do, they, they lead to all the success that major league teams have. Um, so congratulations, by the way, to Alex on all of her successes. Um, she deserves that. She does a wonderful, wonderful job um, stationed out of Jupiter. We'll see her a little bit around the ballpark in Miami throughout the course of the season. But again, congratulations to Alex. Um, she's putting together just what will ultimately be a, a wonderful career for her, I'm sure, in Major League Baseball. Uh, being that it is National Girls and Women in Sports Day, I uh, wanted to highlight for you a little something that the Marlins did this morning. I think it's important. The Marlins do great, great work in the community. Uh, earlier this morning, about 9.30, um, the Marlins had an event at Kensington Park Elementary School um, for fifth grade students. Uh, our very own Kelly Sacco and three members of the Miami Marlins organization, Jessica Lee, Nylea Zamora, and Shannon Johnson were all on hand um, to speak with little pockets of fifth graders. So about 15 students at a time. Um, and each group of 15 students had an opportunity to speak with Kelly Jessica, Nylea, and Shannon. Again, um, very, very important stuff. Uh, The Marlins do wonderful work in the community. I'm sure if you follow the Marlins, maybe on LinkedIn, that they'll put something up. I would encourage everybody um, to check it out. PNC Bank, um, a proud partner of the Miami Marlins, was involved and lent a helping hand with the National Girls and Women's in Sports Day. 
at Kensington Park Elementary School earlier today. Again, I would um, encourage everybody to check that out. The Marlins do wonderful, wonderful work in the community. All right, before uh, we head towards the back end of the show tonight, wanted to remind everybody that FanFest is quickly approaching. One o'clock to six o'clock on Saturday, February 11th. So that's next Saturday, not this Saturday, uh, not three Saturdays from now, next Saturday, February 11th, one o'clock to six o'clock. Join the Marlins, come on out, come hang out with us. I'm gonna do a live show from one to three on the West Plaza. Uh, we'll have a, a couple of terrific guests for you over the course of two hours, maybe the managers and players, you get it. If you've joined us before, um, you know what it's all about. Uh, but join the Marlins for player meet and greets, interactive games, behind the scenes tours, and a whole lot more. Claim your complimentary ticket folks that means free f-r-e-e -E. it is free come hang out with us uh there's usually a terrific crowd um i know that marlin's members have some exclusive access and some uh, meet and greet and um state of the union type stuff throughout the day might not be too late to get in on that just buy yourself a season ticket not hard right give them a call um anyway go to marlins.com slash fan fest again that is marlins.com slash fan fest free complimentary Get it now. Come hang out with us next Saturday, February 11th at Lone Depot Park from 1 o'clock to 6 o'clock. All right, moving right along. Here's my conversation with Marlon's uh, prospect, a catcher, Paul McIntosh. Okay, yeah, headed towards the back end of the Marlon's hot stove show tonight. And it's a treat to be joined by a young man that I don't think uh, too many Marlon's fans are familiar with. Um, but you better be because uh, he didn't enter the system until 2021. He had a terrific 2022 season with double A Pensacola, 90 games at 258, 13 homers, 51 RBIs. Paul McIntosh is joining us on the Marlins Hot Stove Show. Paul, thanks so much for joining us, man. How's everything going? Everything's going well so far. Thank you for having me. Hey, so I think a lot of people might see your bio, and uh, here's a young man that grew grow up and was born in Atlanta, Georgia. Um, but mm. you went to high school down here, and you primarily lived the majority of your life or all of your life in Miami, right? Yes, sir. All right. So I guess that would lead me into wondering, do you have Marlon's memories, Paul, living down here? I mean, pretty darn close to the old stadium. I mean, well, what, what is this opportunity like for you to be a Miami Marlin? Man, it's a great opportunity to play for the hometown team. Um, growing up, I did go to a lot of Marlins games. So I was a Don Trollis fan growing up. I used to play with him on MLB The Show and all that stuff. So it was pretty cool. Uh, any any memories that really stick out? Any uh, autographs when you were younger that made you fall in love with the game? Why did you fall in love with baseball? Where's your love come from? Man, um, growing up, I played baseball and football. Um, but growing up, you know, going going and playing on a Friday night football and then getting up, going for a tournament on the weekend. It was pretty tough on the body. So I decided to stick with baseball and ended up being a pretty good decision. Hey, do you remember your first Marlins game? I do. Um, my dad took me there to the old Miami Stadium. Um, I can't remember who exactly the Marlins playing, but, you know, I was waiting for a foul ball. I never got one. Um, but I got, ended up seeing some of the players after the game in the tunnel. Um, and I got my glove signed. I still have that glove framed at home. It's pretty cool. You, can you still make out the signatures? Anybody in particular that you see the name right there? <laughs> no. no. Yeah. It's, uh, it's awesome, though. I mean, this is an unbelievable opportunity for you, Paul. And again, I, I don't think many people know your story. Go back a couple of years, 2018, drafted by the Angels in the 34th round. Mm -hmm. And again, at that stage of the game, there's a lot of guys that don't commit being a late round 
draft pick and they opt to go the college route. You went to Montlow State right. College. You transfer to West Virginia. You sign as a non-drafted free agent with the Miami Marlins. Can you take me through this journey for you, I guess really coming out of high school, for going, being drafted by the Angels and starting at Montlow State College in Lynchburg, Tennessee? Yeah, um, so out of high school, I wasn't really in the best shape that I possibly could have been to go play straight away in in college. Um, so I did a post-grad year at a place called Next Level Baseball Academy in Montgomery, Alabama. Um, I lost 30 pounds, got good at baseball, and committed to go to Motlow State Community College. Um, had a pretty good year there, my first year. Um, had the opportunity with the Angels to start my professional career, but that's not exactly what I wanted. Um, so I decided to go to West Virginia. Um, went to West Virginia, had a lot of fun there. Uh, first year there, hosted a regional. Um, just you know, made some pretty good memories there. Um, and then fast forward a couple of years, um, draft rolled around, didn't have the opportunity to go, you know, or opportunity to be drafted um, and ended up signing as a free agent out of the MLB draft league. What was that experience like? That was, was that year one that you were a part of that league? Uh, yes, I was there at the inaugural season, it was pretty cool. Pretty cool experience, but, you know, there was a lot of stuff that was still being figured out, but they did a really good job with that league. I think what's probably interesting in your case, and correct me if I'm wrong, you were a late-round draft pick in high school, and by the time you went through the college process, they had cut down the draft. Right. At, what, was there a point, again, you had a good college career, get the opportunity to go to the MLB draft league. Um, mm-hmm. Was there a point where you were like, yeah, I better start thinking about life after baseball or because <laughs> that's not easy. I mean, you know, you go from all these draft rounds and stuff, but what, what have the last couple of years been like for you, Paul? Man, um, after I'd finished my, you know, the first half of the season in the MLB Draft League, I, you know, didn't get drafted. And then a couple of days later, I was still not getting calls. I was like, Oof. looks like I got to go back to school and make sure I graduate, maybe go to the master's program um, and then just start looking at what life is going to look like without sports. Um, and then on the third day, I ended up getting a phone call from the scout that has seen me up there, Alex Smith. Um, he was like, Hey, are you upset? <laughs> I was like, well, <laughs> been waiting all this time. I was like, yeah, I'm pretty upset. Um, he's like, well, do you want to come play baseball for the Miami Marlins? I was like, wow, man. It's a really good opportunity. Yeah. When, when do you guys want me there? And, you know, as soon as I need to be there. You know, it, 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 it's funny because there's, it's probably a whirlwind of emotions, but you see like 18 year old kids out of high school getting drafted, getting $10 million in the parties and everything. <laughs> yeah. It's different in your case. What, what was it, it emotional? Where did you immediately like 29 other teams don't want me, but the Marlins do. And I'm going to go show them that they deserve to have me. Like what, what are the emotions like when you get that call? And it's like all these other teams passed on me, you know, could have had opportunity somewhere else. But I mean, the first team that picks picks me to, you know, come play for them is the hometown team. So, I mean, um, it was just a whirlwind of emotions at that point. Um, it's like, well, I'm going to go show some people what they missed on, you know, um, kind of just going about my business with a little bit of a chip on my shoulder. Like, hey, this is what you missed and I'm going to show you. Uh, you're showing people and we'll get to that in a second. You call your parents and say, the Miami Marlins want me to play for. <laughs> they're saying what? Yeah, I called my mom. She was 
she was sitting there crying on the phone. She was like, I'm so happy for you, you know, as we've been praying for, you know. Um, it's just it's just awesome opportunity to be able to just come home and play in do front you of a family, your, friends. Do you let yourself, Paul, dream about making your big league debut in Miami or are you focused on the present and being the best you can every day? I would imagine it's hard not to. It's hard not to, but I try not to think about it. I like to, you know, just stay in the present and just control what I can control at any given time. Talk to me here about the start of your professional career. You go out of the MLB draft league and you go mm. to the rookie league for a game, but then you go <laughs> yeah. like 23 games with Jupiter and a ball hit 253 hit six homers in 23 games before we go to 2022. I mean, your 2021 season culminated and you started in the Big 12 and college to the draft league to hitting six home runs as a professional baseball player, getting paid to do so. What what, what was that year like? You know, going into my first season, um, I was kind of the kind of the guy that just played like once a week. So I was just trying to make sure that I took took advantage of every opportunity that I had when I went there to go play, you know. My very first game, I think I had, or I hit a home run, and then I ended up having like three hits and then like five RBIs. So I mean, um, those opportunities didn't didn't come that often. So later in into the season, um, so I just tried to take it in stride and do what I could as best as I possibly could. So when you play a handful of games, really, and you hit six homers, yeah. did it validate that like? Okay, so 29 teams have passed on me. I'm playing once or twice a week. I'm showing you what I can do. Was it like self-reassuring that like, oh, like I can play. I can do this. Yeah? Yeah, yeah. It was definitely a big motivating factor seeing that, you know, not playing that many games and I'm still doing what I'm doing. It's just showed me that, you know, I belong and that I can actually do this thing. So what was what was last offseason like for you? headed into 2022 after a whirlwind of 2021 you proved to yourself that you can hit a little bit in professional Mm -hmm. baseball the six homers 23 games then you go to Pensacola where you play 90 games last year you have a really good year 13 homers 51 RBIs you you slug north of 460 a near 400 on base percentage Paul what was 2022 like for you what steps did you really felt like you take um the main focus on 2022 was you know just getting good at, you know, the defensive part of the, part of the baseball, um, the off season, we had a lot of camps and stuff like that. So I had a lot of time to try to like hone in on like receiving, blocking, throwing, um, and that stuff's still improving, but those are the main focuses of the 2022 season. Um, and then offensively, um, it was a pretty good year. I would like to do a little bit better, you know, cut down on the interest and stuff like that. But, um, it was really cool to see the results from all the work that we put in during the offseason. Primarily a catcher. I know you played a game at first. You served mm-hmm. as the DH 20 times last year, but you caught 69 games, almost 600 innings last year. Um, mm-hmm. where, where do you think your development is at as a catcher? Again, it's not like this is your first time catching. You caught through right, college and right, stuff. Right. Where do you think development is at professionally? And. I've come a long way since the start of the the last season, um, you know, especially receiving wise, like there's a lot of stuff that I didn't know, a lot of stuff that I learned back there from, you know, all of our player development staff. 
Um, and the coaching staff there really helped me um, with early work every day, throwing, blocking, receiving, you know. Um, and then from the athletic training part, um, just learning what it what it takes to stay back there every day. Um, a lot of guys just don't take care of their bodies the right way. Go to the hot tub, go to the ice bath and stuff like that. But I quickly realized that you really need to take care of your body for to do it every single day. Throughout the course of the season, and again, I go back to – 2021 college draft league playing once a week, getting an opportunity, have a few injuries last year. Fast forward now as we head into 2023. I mean, we're here. Spring training is right around the corner, and you're going to have an opportunity, Paul, to put a big league uniform on this spring. How special mm -hmm. is that? <laughs> you know, it's super special. Um, you know, just seeing all the great Marlins that came before me and, you know, seeing Charles Johnson and – all those guys play the game, um, you know, just being in a position to where I could eventually be where he was, you know, there's not many black catchers out there. There's zero out there that I've seen. Um, so it's just a pretty cool opportunity to be hometown kid and also be, you know, that inspiration for a lot of young African-American guys coming up. That seems like it means a lot to you. Can you expound on that a little bit, Paul, and just being being a black catcher, catcher in professional baseball? And again, you know, not a lot of folks, Paul, they're going to look like you out there catching. That that seems to register and mean a lot to you. That does. Um, there was a lot of MLB events that, you know, I went to growing up, um, like the Dream Series, the Breakout Series, stuff like that. Being around Charles Johnson, Lenny Webster, a lot of um, former African-American, you know, catchers. There's not many of us that have done it, so being able to pick their brains, hear from them, hear what they have to say about, you know, certain things was really cool. Um, and it just motivated me to try to put myself in that position and, you know, take every opportunity in stride. And now we're here. Paul McIntosh joining us on this episode of the Marlins Hot Stove Show. Um, Paul, what's next for you? I mean, you know, actually, let me ask you this. What type of catcher are you? What type of player are you for folks that haven't gotten a chance to see you? Because I would say middle of last year, we started to see this name, Paul McIntosh. Who's this guy in double A? <laughs> What's he doing down there, right? But your name starts to surface and people are like, this guy's going to be good. Like, what type of player are you? Your, your, your persona out there, the way you kind of carry yourself? Uh, calm, cool, and collective, you know. Um, I'm not one of the guys that just likes to be rah-rah. I like to just do my own thing and, you know. That's about it. I mean, I don't, I don't really have anything crazy going on. Just trying to do me and, you know, do the best that I can to help my team win. If I was watching you and I didn't know who you were, would I notice anybody in particular when I watch you? Do you try to model your game after anybody? Not necessarily. There's not really anybody that, you know, would, that I would say would model my game after as of right now. A anybody in particular growing up, though, even in the last three to four years that you really enjoy watching as a catcher in the big leagues? Or, again, you kind of just do your own thing and you take – There's a lot of guys that I like to watch. Um, yeah. JT Ruimito, for sure. He's a former Marlin. Um, Wilson Contreras is a really good one. Growing up, I love watching Jason Veritek. Um, and then Charles Johnson. I like looking at his highlights and stuff like that. Um, the original Marlin. Exactly. Charles, yeah. but uh, it's a lot of great names and some of the best that have um, ever played and of course Charles as a former Florida Marlin what's next for you Paul again because you burst onto the scene so quick 
and you're going to big league camp this year, you'll be in the clubhouse with the guys for how long, who knows, but what's next for you and what's been a very short professional journey to this point. Um, I'm just going to keep my head down and keep doing what I've been doing. Um, I'm going to try to get out of myself and just stay true to everything that I've been doing so far. Any really good conversations you can share with us that, um, Anybody in particular in the organization right now that you've leaned on? Have you met Jacob Stallings at all? Nick Fortes? Any of these guys had an opportunity to chat with any of them and pick their brain a little bit? Uh, I've been talking to Forty a little bit. We've been talking a lot about receiving, just um, a lot of little stuff that he's picked up over the over the years that he's been, you know, learning the position just like I have. Um, I've gotten some really good tips from him. Uh, okay, so he was interested in talking baseball, not his golf game with you. <laughs> no, no golf, just baseball. Um, I, I go back to you being able to put a big league uniform on this spring and how special that's going to be. Uh, does that make you nervous, Paul, thinking about it? We're sitting here chatting. You seem calm, cool, and collected. But when you go to catch <laughs> winning this spring, like, have you thought about that at all? Uh, I mean, I got to do it a little bit last spring training. I played first base in my very first MLB spring training game. I mean – I was super nervous when that happened. Like, I think I had went in like way before I was supposed to. Like, Cooper still had like two ABs left. Um, <laughs> and I went before before he did, and then think um, think I had recorded an out over there, and I flung the ball to Joey Wendell, and you know, after you after you catch it out, you know, you throw it to shortstop, and then they sling it around. But there was a lot of emotions going on there, and had my first AB. It was a rush, and I got it against a really good big league reliever. It was pretty cool. Um, but yeah, I mean, I was super nervous then, but I think I'll be a little bit better now being that I'm actually part of spring training and, you know, just there. Paul, before I let you go, and I love asking guys this, and a lot of folks immediately point to mom, dad, uh, immediate family members. Has there been anybody in your career that's been most influential to you? And again, I know somebody in your position, you've had a hundred coaches at this point and people that have given you great advice, but anybody you always go back to when you need them through the good times and the bad. Uh, you know, my dad, he was really influential in my baseball career. Um, he passed when I was 16. Um, and you know, me and him had a lot of conversations about, you know, the game of baseball and what, what we were going to do, um, and the plans we, we had, you know, um, but, since then, my mom's been really big and everything. I've been talking to her a bunch and just, you know, trying to go back and back to her. And, you know, she doesn't really, really know the game of baseball all that well. So she tries to, like, recant some of the things that he used to say. Um, but she's been huge. How much would it mean to you? And again, I go back to dreaming about being a Miami Marlin one day. Um, but kind of going through some of those trials and tribulations and losing your father at a young age and, you know, leaving you with a single mom at home to take care of the family. It's oftentimes for players, it's so much bigger than themselves to make it. And you do it for your family. And how much would it mean? How much would that mean to your family, Paul, to potentially one day get an opportunity to be a Miami Marlin? It would mean the world. Uh, you know, growing up, we've, you know, always dreamt of stuff like this. Um, and then it's meant even more losing. Um, but yeah, like I'll never forget my very first, one of the first times I got looked at it by a Marlon scout, um, one of the coaches knew him or something like that. And um, they always said, or the scout said that I was fat and lazy. <laughs> so <laughs> it was always, 
it was always my motivation. I was like, all right, like we don't like the Marlins, like you know, just from that one scout, it was a bad experience. But I mean, like, all right, I'm gonna go show this guy like who he was talking about. Like, you know, it was just just huge motivation from from that guy and what he saw that I needed to be better and I needed to, you know, get in better shape. And that kind of fueled me to, to be the player that I am today. Your baseball reference says six one two twenty. Is that about right? Or physically, where are you at? It sounds like you've made a massive transformation from when you were younger or like high school. Yeah, that's about right. Um, high school, I think I finished at like 250 pounds. So we've come a long wow. way. <laughs> yeah. How much, how, how much of a priority have you put on, like you're a gifted athlete, you can hit the ball a country mile, you can catch, you can play the game. But it sounds like you've learned that like physically you've got to be in unbelievable shape to do this for yeah. six months. Yeah, you have to. Um, nutrition's huge. Weight room's huge. You may not always want to do it, but you got to do it in order to you know stay on the field and stay healthy. Uh, Paul, I know it's only been about 15 minutes here, man, but um, I've really enjoyed chatting with you. I wish you all the best. Again, uh, your name kind of popped up last year in the middle of the season, and folks <laughs> took notice of who Paul McIntosh was up there uh, in Double A Pensacola. So, my best to you, and I know we're going to see a lot of you this spring, and uh, I'm excited to watch you get after Paul. So, thanks so much for the time tonight. Yes, sir. Thank you. I appreciate you. All right. Thank you again to Paul McIntosh for joining us on this episode of the Marlins Hot Stove Show. Um, again, that was a young man that nobody really had heard of. Um, for the most part, unless you really follow the system closely, and some people do, but not many people knew who Paul McIntosh was, I would say probably until about halfway through last year. And the name started to surface. Who's this catcher up there in Pensacola? Well, he's really, really good, and he's really young, and he has risen through the Marlins system very quickly since entering it in 2021. Um, we'll see, ultimately, maybe starts the season at double-A, works his way up to triple-A. You never know. Um, but this is a young man I think we should all keep our eye on in Paul McIntosh, the Marlins catcher, moving forward. All right, uh, before we wrap things up tonight, wanted to remind you uh, and plug one more thing, the World Baseball Classic. Uh, I know you know it's coming to Lone Depot Park. Um, it's uh, the home for baseball and the host to all three rounds, including the finals this season. Uh, tickets are on sale now, and inventory is not lasting at all. Like some games are already uh, nearly or are sold out. There are some hot tickets to be had in Miami for the World Baseball Classic. Uh, you can buy tickets today, tonight, whenever you're listening to this in the wee hours of the morning at marlins.com slash WBC. Again, marlins.com slash WBC, the World Baseball Classic, returns to Miami in just about a month's time. All right, that's all the time we have for you on this episode of the Marlins Hot Stove Show tonight. As always, I appreciate the support. I thank you for joining us, and I hope you're enjoying some of the conversations that we're having. And again, thank you to Alex Rigoli and Paul McIntosh for joining us tonight. Uh, if you've missed anything, you can always check it out. The video version, marlins.com slash hot stove. You can listen live on Wednesdays at Marlins, um, the flagship station, 940 Fox Sports, 940 AM, Miami, the iHeartRadio app. And I'll always put it up on the podcast page for you. If you're driving down 95, you don't have to watch. Uh, you shouldn't watch. You don't have to watch. You shouldn't watch. But if you'd like to listen to the audio, it's available for you on most uh, podcast platforms as well. Uh, so I'm Kyle Seeloff. And for our entire production crew helping us put the Marlins Hot Stove Show together, JC Marrero, I appreciate you. Thank you so much for listening tonight. Thank you for watching. We'll catch you next Wednesday 
with more of the Marlins Hot Stove Show.